good morning again and again. Uh, welcome to Liberty Church. I am uh, Pastor Keith Hodges, and we're honored and excited to have you join us today online. And I pray that God is moving in your life and that you're open and attentive to what the Holy Spirit is saying and doing in this hour. And uh, what's exciting about serving a living God is that God is never taken by surprise. And even in the midst of all the COVID-19, the coronavirus, and all the challenges that it has created in our world, I want you to understand something. God is not in heaven wringing his hands, worried about what he's going to do. He is on the throne, and he was not surprised. God has already gone before us. So that's one of the good things about serving a loving father, is that God not only provides for us, but the Bible says that God actually goes before us to pave a way to meet our needs. And so I'm excited uh, to just declare to you that we serve that kind of God today. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to continue our series that we began three weeks ago on Easter Sunday. And we began talking about being raised to life. And we began three weeks ago on Easter really just doing what we do every day as believers in Jesus Christ. And that is celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what a joy and what an honor and what a privilege that it is today uh, that as believers in Jesus Christ we get to celebrate the fact that Jesus died and ultimately rose again on the third day to give us brand new life. He died so we could be literally raised to life in Christ. And so we're going to just revisit our foundational scripture out of Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 8. It's the Easter story. The Bible says, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Can I get an amen from somebody? Come on. Let's give a shout out to the Lord out there in online land. Come on, declare that He is not here. He is risen. He is alive and He reigns and He rules forevermore. Look what He says. Remember how He spoke to you while He was still in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified in the third day, rise again, and they remembered His word. So three weeks ago we recognized something. We recognized that we are raised to life by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. It is faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ that raises us to life. We recognize that Jesus did not die and rise again so he could make bad people good. Come on, somebody. He died and he rose again so he could make dead people come alive. Because the scripture says we were spiritually dead in our sins, separated from God, without hope in this world. But Christ died and rose again so that through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, we too could be raised to brand new life. We go from being dead and separated because of sin to being alive in Christ and raised to new life because of the goodness of the Father. Amen. And then last week we looked at a great truth. We looked at the fact that we are raised to life through the person of the Holy Spirit. And we said that the Holy Spirit gives us a new nature. He gives us new eyes, new ears, and supernatural power. We are raised to life through the person of the Holy Spirit, a new nature. Now we have a nature that desires to please God. The Bible says that we have now been born again in the image and likeness of God. And we have a new nature that now desires to please the Lord. And then the Bible says not only do we have a new nature, we have new eyes that we can see God, we can see each other, we can even see ourselves and recognize the value and the worth that we have, that we have 
Because, hear this, we are valuable and full of worth, not because of what we do, but because we were created in the image of God. We were created to be like God. And all of a sudden, because of the Holy Spirit, we can see ourselves, see others, and see God in the light of those spiritual eyes. And then we recognize that the Holy Spirit gives us new ears to hear so we can hear the voice of God. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. And what an awesome honor to be able to hear the voice of God and walk in intimate communion. As I was thinking about this and just praying over this this week, I was thinking about how God speaks specifically to each of his children. I don't know about you guys, but I've got three kids and and each of my kids, they're all just a little bit different. And I speak a little different to each of my children. I understand how I need to communicate to this child and communicate to that child and communicate to that child. And guess what, God, he does the same thing. Through the person of the Holy Spirit, he gives us ears to hear the voice of the Lord. And God speaks specifically to us as his children so we can hear, respond, and receive what he has for us. And then last but not least, through the person of the Holy Spirit, he gives us supernatural power. Right? I love what the scripture says in Romans chapter 8. It says, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, you're going to do the same works that I did, but greater works will you do because I go to the Father. So think about it like this. We can do the same thing Jesus did because the same spirit that lives in him now lives in us. Come on, somebody. We can do the same works that Jesus did because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside me and you. So we have been raised to life. Now I'm going to just stop for just a second. I had a couple reach out to me this week and and they said, Pastor Keith, man, we enjoyed that sermon last week about the person of the Holy Spirit. And they said, you know what, we grew up like many people here in, in, in the South. We grew up in a very traditional church. And even though we grew up in a denomination that acknowledged and believed in the Holy Spirit, we just didn't hear anything being taught about how do you relate, how do you commune, how do you walk in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And so as they reached out to me this week, they said, man, well, Pastor Keith, would you just pray about doing something, a little more teaching on how people can cultivate that relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. And so this is what I want to do. I'm going to answer that request this week. And I want to encourage you to tune in every day at 9.30 a.m. We do a broadcast called Everyday Sunday. And this week during our Everyday Sunday broadcast, I'm going to talk about how do we cultivate that relationship with the Holy Spirit. How do we walk in the Spirit? How do we talk to the Holy Spirit? And what are the benefits really at a whole other personal intimate level of living that Spirit-led and Spirit-fed life? So I want to encourage you, tune in this week, Everyday Sunday, 9.30 a.m. And learn how do we really do that? How do we take that relationship with the Holy Spirit into that next level where it really begins to change our lives. Amen? Well, this morning we're going to take another step in this series, and I'm excited uh, because today's message is going to be worth the price of admission. Amen? It's going to be worth the price of admission you get in here to get in here today because today we're going to look at this next point. Here it is. We are raised to life by the love of God. We are raised to life by the love of God. So look with me at Ephesians chapter 3. And today we're going to dive deep into what it means to be raised to brand new life through the love of God that has been poured out on us by the Holy Spirit and demonstrated to us through God's Son, Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is writing. Look at what he says. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So I want you to catch what's happening. The Apostle Paul is declaring to the Ephesian believers that he has been praying for them. He said, I've been bowing my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And look at verse 16. And I've been praying, he says, that he would grant you. So I want you to look at three specific things that the Apostle Paul asked God to give 
to the Ephesian believers that the Apostle Paul is praying for. Look what he says. That he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So I want you to catch out what the Apostle Paul is praying. Look what he says in verse 16. He says, I'm bowing my knees and asking God to strengthen you with might through, his, through the Holy Spirit in the inner man, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So look what Paul is praying for. He's praying that they would come to a place of faith in Jesus Christ, and that they would be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit. Sounds like Paul's preaching my sermon. Come on, somebody. He says, I'm praying, listen to this. He says, I'm praying that God would strengthen you by the Holy Spirit and that your hearts would be rooted in the faith that comes through Jesus Christ. So the Apostle Paul is praying our sermon this morning. Maybe I'm preaching his prayer. That's probably the most accurate definition, right? I'm preaching his prayer. And this is what he prayed. He said, I pray that through faith in Christ and through the person of the Holy Spirit, you would come into the fullness of God. And so literally he's praying for the Ephesian believers to be raised to life through the faith in Christ and through the person of the Holy Spirit. But then the Apostle Paul adds another element to this prayer. He says, and that you would be rooted and grounded in love, that you may comprehend, and that's a key word. We're going to talk about that in depth in just a second. That you may comprehend what is the width, what is the length, what is the depth, and what is the height of the love of God, that you may know the love of Christ that surpasses all understanding. So Paul says, my prayer is that through faith in Christ and through the person of the Holy Spirit, you would be rooted and grounded in love. Why? So that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Look at that next point on your outline. I want you to see this truth today. We are filled with the fullness of God to the degree that we comprehend the love of God. We are filled with the fullness of God to the degree that we comprehend the love of God. Look what he says. He says, my prayer is that you would be rooted and grounded in love so that you may be able to comprehend the love of God, the width, the length, the depth, the height, and to know the love of Christ that passes all knowledge so that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. So we are filled with the fullness of God to the degree that we comprehend God's love for us. Let's think about it for just a second. What does it mean to comprehend the the love of God? word comprehend is a neat little word. It kind of has a progression. It literally means to lay hold of or to seize it. But then it means not just to lay hold and to seize, but it literally means to take possession of and literally take ownership of. So let me say it like this. We are filled with the fullness of God to the degree that we own His love. That we own it. That His love becomes part of our hearts and part of our lives, that we take possession of the love. Because I want you to consider what the Apostle Paul is teaching us here. He's declaring some things. He says that through the faith of Christ and through the person of the Holy Spirit, I want you to see what happens. God introduces us to His love. I want you to think about that. Through faith in Christ and through the person of the Holy Spirit, God introduces us to the love of God. Have you ever considered what it really means to put faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ? Because when you look at the cross, you know what you see? On the cross, God did something bold and miraculous. God boldly, publicly declared His love for me and for you. 
On the cross, God declared and displayed His love for me and you. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son as a sacrifice for our sin. He was a substitutional sacrifice. He took your place. He took my place. He took the place of the entire world so that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish. So think about it. On the cross, God declared His love. And then through the person of the Holy Spirit, you know what God does? God pours out His love into our hearts. Look what Romans chapter 5 says. Romans 5 verse 5 says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So through the cross, God declares His love. And through the Holy Spirit, God pours out His love into our heart. So God declares His love pours out his love, and then he challenges us to do something. Here's what the challenge is. He challenges us to comprehend that love. He challenges us to begin to take ownership of the love of God that he says surpasses all understanding. Now let's look at that phrase again because I want to pull something out because we are filled with the fullness of God to the degree that we comprehend his love. So look what God said there in that 17th verse, or excuse me, that 19th verse. He says, I pray that you would know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Think about that little phrase. That you would know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. So Paul says, my prayer for you is that through faith in Christ and through the person of the Holy Spirit, you would know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. Now think about that. I want you to know something that you can't understand. That's basically what Paul says. And if you don't understand the language in which he's writing, that may sound really confusing. But this is what he literally says. He says, my prayer for you, the first word for know is experience. He says, my prayer is that you would experience the love of God. That you would experience through the declaration of the cross and through the person of the Holy Spirit, you would experience God's love to such a degree that it would drop from your head down into your heart. Because it's a love, he says, that surpasses all knowledge or all understanding. God's love is bigger than what you can think. And let me just, let me just pause here for a minute because this is critical. I'm convinced that most Christians, hear me, most Christians intellectually understand that God loves them. But Paul says the love of Christ surpasses knowledge. Paul says the love of Christ is not a head thing, it's a heart thing. And it has to move because, because that's what that word comprehension about. That word comprehending the love of Christ is about taking possession or ownership of it. It's about the love of God going from a head thing and becoming a heart thing. It's about it dropping from intellectual understanding to a place of faith in your heart that makes you steadfast and unmovable in the things of God. Now again, I'm convinced most Christians intellectually understand and acknowledge in their head that God loves them. But I want you to think about what happens in many Christians' lives. Many Christians who intellectually acknowledge and understand that God loves them. When tragedy, trial, problems, difficulty, heartache, heartbreak, and loss come their way, what happens to many Christians? Many Christians begin to question the love of God. Well, God, if you really love me, why is this happening to me? And God, if you really love me, then why am I going through this? And God, if you really love me, then why didn't you protect me? And God, if you really love me, then why didn't you watch over my children? And God, if you really love me, then why did this happen? And the reason that happens is because most Christians have a head knowledge but not a heartfelt faith 
that is rooted in the love of God. Because the moment it drops from your head and moves to your heart to a place of faith, you know what the Bible says? It says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. My faith in the love of God becomes the evidence that I need to know that God loves me no matter what's happening to me and no matter what's happening around me. See, the moment your information becomes a revelation, the moment you go from a head knowledge to a heartfelt faith where you comprehend, where you take ownership, because let me just tell you something today. You've never owned it until you fully believed it. As long as it's in your head and not in your heart in a place of faith, then you'll be shaken. And as long as it's in your head and not in your heart in a place of faith, then you'll continually question the love of God. Because somehow you'll think that God's love equals everything goes okay for me. But if we'll just drill down for just a second. I don't know how many of you have people that love you. I hope all of you do. I hope everybody out there listening to me today has at least somebody that you know unconditionally loves you with all their heart. And how many of you realize something? How many of you realize the fact that somebody loves you doesn't keep bad things from happening to you? And God loves you unconditionally. And the love of God does not mean that bad things don't happen. The love of God means that no matter what happens, He never leaves me and He never forsakes me. He is always with me. And so the Apostle Paul gives us this revelation. He says, my prayer is that you would be filled with the fullness of God. And the only way that you can be filled with the fullness of God is you've got to comprehend the love of God because it is your ownership of His love that allows you to be filled to the fullness of life that God has for you. So let's look at this next point. I want you to see this. So God's love raises us to life because it frees us from fear. It frees us from fear because it is impossible to be full of God and filled with fear. It's impossible for me and you to be full of God and filled with fear. Why? Because it is the love of God that frees us. It's the love of God that liberates us from fear. The book of Amos chapter 3 says this, how can two walk together unless they agree? You can't be full of God and filled with fear. And let me tell you why. Because God's walking in faith and if you're walking in fear, you're not walking in God. God's walking in confidence, and if you're walking in insecurity, you're not walking with God. Right? God is walking in peace, and if you're walking in worry and anxiety, you're not walking with God. And so it's impossible for you to be filled with the fullness of God and be filled with fear at the same time. Why? Because both of those things take you on a separate path. God takes you down a path of faith, a path of confidence, a path of hope. And fear takes you down a path of insecurity, a path of worry, and a path of regret. And so we have to recognize that it is the love of God that frees us from fear and allows us to live this full life that God has called us to live. So look what the scripture says. 1 John chapter 4. It says, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. Think about that. Paul, I mean, the, the Apostle John recognizes the two aspects of it. He says, we've known it intellectually. He said, but we've also believed it heartfelt. He said, we acknowledge that we know that God loves us, but we've moved from just believing, we've moved from just knowing intellectually to believing in our heart that God loves us. So look what else he says. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. And love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Now look at verse 18. And there is no fear. There is no fear. Y'all say that with me at home. There is no fear. 
There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. So God's love, perfect love, casts out fear. The love of God casts out fear because where there is fear, there is torment. And I want to talk to you this morning about a couple aspects of fear that God's love casts out. Number one, it casts out all fear. But let's talk about the fear of judgment. Because in that scripture we just read, the Bible says that we can have boldness on the day of judgment because God loves us. We can have boldness on the day of judgment because God loves us. Let me just give you a declaration today. Perfect love casts out fear. The fear of judgment that causes us to pull back instead of press in to know who God is. Now I wish I could tell you today that once you become a Christian, you're never going to fall down. You're never going to mess up and you're never going to sin. But that's not true, right? We all know that's not true. We all know that as Christians, we still fall down, we still struggle, and we still sin. And we come short of the glory of God. But let me tell you one of the greatest schemes of the enemy. The greatest schemes, one of the greatest schemes of the enemy is Satan wants to come alongside you when you fall down, when you sin, when you blow it, and when you miss it. And he wants to begin to condemn you, and he wants to begin to shame you, and he wants to begin to use that condemnation to cause you to run from God instead of run to God. But guess what perfect love does? Perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out the fear of judgment. In other words, I don't have to be afraid to run to God even when I've really messed up. I don't have to be afraid to run to God when I've screwed up and blew it and made the biggest mistake of my life. As a matter of fact, it is His perfect love that liberates me to a place of faith and confidence that says, you know what? God loves me in my mess, in my junk, in my sorrow, in my shame, in my mistakes, and in my sin. God loves me. And if God demonstrated his love for me while I was still a sinner, then how much more does he now love me and want to embrace me and want to draw me into his presence? So it's that perfect love. It's that perfect love that casts out that fear of judgment so we can boldly come before the throne of grace to find mercy to help us in times of need. It is the love of God that casts out fear that raises us back to life. Because if you live in fear of judgment, if you think that every time you mess up, God's mad at you and God's out to get you and I'm a Christian, I shouldn't have done that and I should have knew better and oh my gosh, what's God going to do with me now? If you allow that kind of ideas to dominate your mind, then guess what's going to happen? Instead of you returning to the Lord and rising back up to a place of life in Christ, you're going to run from God and allow guilt, shame, and condemnation to separate you from the only one that can restore you to life. And so it's that perfect love. It's that perfect love that drops from my head down into my heart. It's when I comprehend, when I take ownership and possession of the fact that God loves me. I know, but I also believe that He loves me. And because He loves me, hear me, I can have boldness when I fall down and when I mess up. And I can run back into the arms of my Father because He cares about me. Amen. Not only does God's love cast out the fear of judgment, but it also casts out the fear of man. The Bible says in Proverbs that the fear of man is a snare to your soul. And last year I heard a statement and it stuck with me. And I don't remember who said it, but I remember the phrase because it really resonated in my heart. And as I was studying and praying for this message today, the Holy Spirit reminded me of this. And this is what I heard a pastor say last year. He made this statement. He said, if you are impressed with somebody 
Or if you are intimidated by somebody, you can't minister to that somebody. If you're impressed with them, or if you're intimidated by them, you can't minister to them. And I was, as I was studying, as I was thinking about perfect love casting out fear, I was reminded of that statement because I realized something. The Holy Spirit showed me something. He showed me that when we get impressed by people or intimidated by people, both of those are an expression of the fear of man. In other words, it works like this. If I'm impressed with somebody, I can't minister to that person. And you know why? Because I want to please them. <laughs> I want to please them. I'm impressed with them. They're all that and a bag of chips, you know. And so I want to make sure that everything I do pleases them. But how many of you recognize something? How many of you recognize that sometimes when you love somebody, you don't agree with them? And sometimes when you love somebody, you got to confront them. And sometimes when you love somebody, you got to address hard issues. And sometimes when you love somebody, you got to disagree with them in a way that says, you know what, I love you and I care about you, but I think you're totally wrong. And we got to get back to where we're supposed to be. And you're missing it and I care about you and I love you so much, I'm going to tell you, you're missing it. But if I'm impressed with you, I can't love you. If I'm impressed with you, I can't love you because I'm afraid that I won't earn your pleasure. And you're so important, I think I need you to validate me. So I have to tiptoe around you so I can please you. But let's flip the coin for just a second. What about people that we're intimidated by? And we're intimidated by them because, I mean, they're just kind of scary. Y'all know those kind of people, right? We've all got those kind of people. They're just kind of scary. They kind of walk in the room and everybody gets on eggshells. Guess what? If you're intimidated by somebody, you can't love them. You can't love them again because you can't be honest with them. How many know love is honest? When you really love somebody, you tell them the truth. You speak the truth in love. And if you're intimidated by somebody, you can't be honest with them. You can't confront them. Because the person that you're impressed with, you're trying to please them. The person that you're intimidated by, you're trying to appease them. You're trying to dance around and make sure you don't say anything that offends them because you don't want them to get mad and you don't want them to lash out. Boy, they had this horrible temper and they had this and they had that. And if I don't do whatever they need to do the way I need to do it, they're going to come against me. And it's impressing people and intimidation by people that is the fear of man. But guess what? The love of God frees us from that. We can be free from the love of God. And only when you're free from impressing and intimidating people can you really love people. Can you really minister to people? Can you really serve people? Because here's the realization. Here's the realization. I don't need you to validate me because the love of God validates me. And I don't need you to accept me because the love of God accepts me. And I don't need you to affirm me because the love of God affirms me. And so instead of trying to please people or appease people, I can actually love people. And you want to talk about being free? You want to talk about being free? You want to talk about being raised to life? Where you can actually love people the way that God loves you? How many know God's not impressed by you and God's not intimidated by you? But God does love you. And it's that perfect love that frees me and you to live the life God's called us to live. Let me talk about two more aspects of fear real quick. The fear of the past. The fear of the past. You don't have to live in the fear of the past anymore. The perfect love of God has washed your sins away. Amen? Your yesterday is your yesterday. Yesterday is history. Amen? Tomorrow's a mystery and today is a gift from God. That's why they call it the present. And your history has been forgiven. And your future is secure. And today you can live life full and free.
because God loves you. So I don't have to fear judgment. I don't have to fear man. I don't have to fear the future. And I don't have to fear the past because God loves me. Well, Pastor Keith, what's going to happen with this pandemic? I don't know, but God does, and I'm following him. Amen? Perfect love casts out fear. I don't have to fear the future. I don't have to fear all the what-ifs. I mean, you watch the news, and they're full of what-ifs, what-ifs, what-ifs. What if it comes back in the fall? What if it comes back next spring? What if this becomes a new normal? I want to tell you something. I don't know about the what-ifs, but I know that God said He loves me, and God said He cares about me, and God said He'll never leave me, and God said He'll never forsake me, and God said He is my shield and my strength, and He'll make all things work together for my good because He loves me. Amen? We are more than conquerors because He Loves us. The love of God frees us from fear. Let me give you two, <clears throat> two last thoughts. I'm going to get a drink of water. Two last thoughts. I want you to see this. A heart filled with the love of God can never be shaken. Jesus, the perfect example of what it means to live a life of love. Look at this. Jesus was not moved by the betrayal, the rejection, or the pain in his life caused by other people because he was filled with the love of the Father. I want you to think about Jesus for a minute. He lived a perfect life. Perfect life. And he was betrayed. He was rejected. And he suffered not only physical, emotional, but ultimately he suffered the pain of death as they nailed him to the cross. And in spite of all the things that happened to him, he never was moved away. He never stopped loving people. He never stopped serving people. He never stopped caring about people. Why? Because he was filled with the love of God. That's it. How could he do what he did and not be moved away? How could he be on the cross and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do because he was filled with the love of God. And it's the love of God that makes us unshakable and unmovable. It's the love of God, hear me, that enables you to stay the course no matter what happens in your life. I mean, how many people, let's be honest with ourselves today, how many people do we know personally that at one time were serving God and caring for people and loving people and they got hurt and they got betrayed and they got rejected? And then this happened. Well, God, if this is how you're going to treat me for loving the people you call me to love, then I'm not going to do it anymore. How many times have we seen people walk away? They stop serving. They stop loving. They stop caring because somebody hurt them. Somebody betrayed them. Somebody rejected them. And here's the reality. They question God's love when that happens. God, is this how you treat people that serve you? Is this how you treat people who live for you? God, I'm doing all the right things and all this stuff's happening to me. Is this really how you treat your children? And do you know why we have those conversations? Because we have a head knowledge of the love of God and not a heart knowledge. Because the moment it drops from your head intellectually to your heart, a place of faith, Faith is the substance of things we hope for and the evidence of things not seen. See, the moment the love of God is a faith issue that's settled in my heart, I don't need external circumstances to prove the love of God because I know that He loves me. And Jesus modeled that life perfectly. Jesus lived an unshakable, 
unmovable life because he was filled with the love of God. Look at our last point together. I want you to see this. We're wrapping up. A heart filled with the love of God can never be shaken. But look at this last point. A heart void. A heart void of the love of God can never be filled. A heart filled with God's love can never be shaken. But a heart that is void of the love of God can never be filled. There's not enough affirmation. There's not enough applause. There's not enough sex. There's not enough money. There's not enough drugs. There's not enough acceptance in this world to fill your heart. There's not enough. And if we're honest today, we can all boldly declare, Pastor Keith, that's true. See, we know it's true. We know it's true because we've all felt the fullness of life that comes from the applause of people. But all of a sudden, they stop clapping. And the the void returns. The applause the acceptance, the affirmation. And as a matter of fact, you know what's crazy about what the world offers us? The loving affirmation of the world without the love of God in our hearts actually makes the hole in our heart deeper. And it creates more torment and more stress and more pressure. Think about it like this. You obtain some level of success and people applaud for you. They pat you on the back. They say, that a boy, we're really proud of you. And then they walk away. And then you know what happens? All of a sudden you realize, now you've reached this level of success and they're not applauding anymore. So in order to get more applause, I've got to go higher than I've ever gone. I've got to make more money than I've ever made. I've got to have more success than I've ever had before. I've got to have more influence than I've ever obtained before. Because if you live for the applause of people, you'll never be filled. Why? Because a heart void of God's love is never filled. There's never enough sex. Think about all the unhealthy, ungodly sexual relationships that people have went in. And it doesn't take weeks, months, and years for the emptiness to come back. Literally in moments. In moments, you realize it's not enough. You felt good for a moment, but all of a sudden it's gone. Drugs, think about drugs for just a minute. Drugs and alcohol. Every time you get high to numb the pain, to fill the void, all of a sudden the high wears off. And what you had to do yesterday to get here to feel good don't work anymore. Now you got to get higher. And you got to drink more. And you just got to go longer. And the reality is, is every time you come off that high, you go back lower than you ever were before. And here's why. It's really simple. I'm not that smart. It's just really simple. Here's the simple truth. A heart void of the love of God can never be filled. And I wrote something down, and I want to just read it to you because I don't want to miss say I really feel like the Holy Spirit gave me this simple, simple thought. See, God's love is unconditional, it's eternal, and it's unchanging. Here's what I want to say to you today. I really feel like the Holy Spirit said, Keith, close with this simple statement. God has always loved you. And He will never change His mind about you. Think about that for a second. God has always loved you, and He'll never change His mind about you. The Bible says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. 
The word repent means to change your mind. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. You can abort it. You can abandon it. You can walk away from it. But God never changes his mind about you. God has always loved you. And he will never change his mind about you. And he's calling you home today. And when Jesus Christ takes lordship over your life, you get to take ownership of his love. And it's a love that never fails. And so if you're out there watching today and you've never experienced that love, and today you're willing to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to pray with you right now. So just every head bowed, every eye closed. We're in your living room, wherever you're at. We're just going to do some business with the Lord right now because God loves you. And there's a hole in your heart that can only be filled with the eternal, unchanging, never-ending love of God. And through faith in Jesus and through the person of the Holy Spirit, the love of God can be made real in your life. So with every head bowed, let's just pray this prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe He rose again on the third day. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. I make you my Lord and my Savior. And by faith in the finished work of Jesus, I receive the love of God and the gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, welcome to the family. And whether you're crying or whether you're smiling, I know that right now God's done something special in your life. We'd love to follow up with you. We'd love to help you. There's a a link in the description where you can contact us. Please reach out to us. Let us know you prayed that prayer today. I personally love to call you. We'd love to follow up with you. And we want to help you take that next step so you can fully comprehend the love of God and be raised to life. God bless you today. In Jesus' name.